You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Colton's upcoming season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 96 for tuning in. We've got a lot of stuff to cover today with our podcast with Mike Renner from Becca Season. few things to get to beforehand because today is also a day on the website where I released the first girls from Colton Season. You'll see them up on the website now, so uh, check them out. Kind of a younger crowd to say the least. And I want to get to the Jordan-Jenna thing real quick before we get started on this podcast. But first, don't forget, Nell Coulter's Floribama Shore recaps are up every Tuesday. Her Are You the One recaps are up every Thursday. Floribama Shore is ending, so that one will be coming to an end fairly shortly. I think there's only two or three episodes left in this particular season, so check those out. Also, if you want to rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast, it's much appreciated. As you know, last week's hit number one on the TV and film category with Jordan and it was easily the most downloaded uh, podcast I've done in 96 podcasts. Also, if you want to be part of the, he said, she said podcast, he said, she said podcast, you can email myself or email Ashley. Tell us your situation. Tell us what time zone you're in, what your Skype name is and the best times that you can record and we'll work something out. Episode number six of that podcast is coming out this Tuesday. So, Keep all that in mind. So before we get to Mike Renner, I know a lot of you have been asking about the Jordan and Jenna situation and what's going on and whatever. Here's what I can say about it at this point. I've already said everything I needed to say. I stand by my reporting. I don't need to get into details of what exactly I did and how I did it and stuff like that. I stand by my reporting. You saw what I reported. You heard Jordan on the podcast. There's nothing new to report here. Jenna has released, what, two Instagram posts where she says they're fabricated and she'll get justice with a capital J. Obviously, no PR team wrote that for her because she capitalized words that had no business being capitalized. But whatever. Anyway, ABC has sued me twice and I've gone up against them twice and we've settled twice and I've never owed them a dime. I'm not really worried about what Jenna Cooper does, honestly. A lot of the stuff she says doesn't make sense to me. And this story is what, now nine days old? I reported this last Tuesday. It's nine days old, and there's been no mention of anything coming from her camp. I haven't received anything from any legal team over there. I have no idea what she's doing, but all I'll say is this. The longer she takes to do anything, the less I believe her. The more I think that she's making something up to come up with to combat what I reported. Because in her last Instagram post, she mentioned something about this taking, quote unquote, weeks. Um, This probably takes about a half hour, if none of it's true. So uh, the fact that it's been nine days and she's done absolutely nothing and she says, oh, we're working on it. This stuff takes a while. It takes weeks. I I don't buy any of it. So no matter what she eventually comes with, if she comes with anything, I'm not going to buy it. So I've got a lawyer. I'm ready to go. If she wants to really do something with this in the legal world bring it. I don't care. I'm not really worried about this. I presented what I presented. I did my due diligence on my end. You heard Jordan on the podcast. He believes it. 
You heard what he said about her reaction. She can do whatever she wants. I, I'm not concerning myself with her anymore until she releases or does something. And she hasn't in nine days. And like I said, the longer she takes, the less I'll believe her. I'm on to Colton season, and you saw the girls that I posted today. I'll probably be posting more uh, next week. There are dates starting this weekend. One of them is a public date this coming Sunday. So hopefully I'll get information on that as well. So that's it for the Jordan Jenna situation. I'm pretty much moved on. Moving on to Colton season. And the next time you'll hear me talk about it is if she does anything, which at this point, even if she does, I don't buy it. So without any further ado, let's get to podcast number 96 with Mike Renner. All right, let's welcome in our guest. You saw him most recently on Becca's season of The Bachelorette. He is a senior analyst at Pro Football Focus. It's Mike Renner. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Steve. Been a long time coming here. Yeah, I know. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Mike was supposed to be our guest last week. Uh, we had an incident that popped up between Jenna and Jordan that uh, kind of took precedence over everything. And we had rec- we had set up a couple times before that to record, and I just got behind with stuff, and then I went to Vegas. And anyway, Mike is our guest now. I, I thank you for bearing through all that. And we're- we finally got you on to talk uh, to talk a little Bachelorette and football, two of my favorite things. No, so um, here we go. Let's just jump right into Becca's season. When I first found out that you were on the show, I got to say, I I guess I was somewhat surprised. I don't really know in particular why. I guess I just thought that somebody that had the job that you did, I mean, we've had sports fans on the show before, but what you do is a little more detailed. I I don't know. I guess I was just like, wow, somebody from Pro Football Focus is on the show. How did you get cast on this show? Were you a fan? How did this all come about? Yeah, so I've been a fan since the first season I watched was Ben Higgins' season. Okay. Uh, One of my coworkers, actually, at the time asked me to be in a Bachelor Fantasy League, and I had never watched, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity for something like that, just, you know, competitively. So I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Uh, And I ended up watching that season. I think I've watched everyone since. And so I was just a fan. And last fall, I was actually at the Georgia Notre Dame game. And one of my buddies from Notre Dame was there who lives in San Diego now. And he said uh, that he had gotten to final casting the year before, but then it couldn't end up going on with his job. And he's like, I could just put you in touch if you really want to, like, if you want to go on, I can put you right in touch with the casting director and you have a good shot. And so I said, why not? Like it shoots in the spring. That's kind of my down season. There's like it is draft time, but uh, my hours are a lot more lax. Like I could have taken the time off, and so I said, "Let's just do it. Uh, see if I actually get on." And then that was like six months later. It, it turns out I'm coming out the limo, so it was a pretty wild experience. So when you went through all of this, when did you first, I guess, get in contact, or when did it start becoming serious? Because obviously, for Bachelorette, I believe final casting weekend where they bring everyone out to LA. That's end of January ish, maybe beginning of February. You did that? You went through that? Yeah, so I started – I was one of the earliest guys to start. They told me or one of the earliest guys to apply. So I threw – I sent in that video of me in maybe end of September last year. Okay. And then didn't hear back until, I want to say, November from them. And then I ended up meeting a casting director in Chicago in December. And then, yes, from out to L.A. Okay. Uh, it was the end of – yeah. So when you're watching RE season, who were you hoping or thinking – would be bachelorette like who caught your eye i'm trying to think i kind of wanted kendall initially for the first like handful of weeks and then towards the end i really didn't have a, a like a any front runner i was 
gonna be I was probably gonna be going out with any of the ones uh, in the final four there. Okay. Now when I was you fine with them, you know. when you were officially cast or told you were on the show, obviously you didn't know yet, at least I don't think, that Becca was the Bachelorette. I found out when everyone else found out, basically with, during the announcement. After the um, final after roast. roast. Yeah. Okay. So that's when you found out. Um what do you think that she was the best fit for you? Truthfully, I don't. I don't think we were quite on the same wavelength, and I think that obviously showed in terms of you know when I went home. But uh, I'm not sure if there were any of them necessarily would have been of the top you know choices. I'm not sure any of them necessarily my type, so to speak. I, I don't really have much of a type, but I just don't think I uh, would have you know gotten a lot. It just wouldn't have been a great fit with any of them. I don't think. And we're talking about if it was if it happened to be. Lauren or four, yeah. yeah, Lauren, Tia, and who finished? Who finished third on uh, Kendall? Season? I think. Oh yeah, Kendall. Duh. Yeah. Already forgetting. Uh, so we we get to the limo entrances, and you come out with a cardboard cutout of Ari. Who came up with that idea? <laughs> uh, it was not me. Um, I didn't go there hoping that that was what I wanted to do. I actually wanted to do. Uh, Gosh, I, what I wanted to do, I wanted to do the Willy Wonka entrance. Well, I was like, I asked like my buddies, I'm like, give me like some ideas. And they're like, do the Willy Wonka where you walk up with a cane and then barrel roll, which uh, I'm not sure that would have been much better, but <laughs> they, they kind of, it kind of wasn't uh, on the table though, by the time we got around to it. So I ended up doing the cutout, which sounded so much better on paper than actual execution and it was one of those things where it probably would also would have been better if i would have you know completely been 100 percent on board with it but when they put the cutout in the limo uh the other guys in the limo are like who the hell is doing that like yeah. what who thought that was a good idea and then just like you get that like panic sweat that sets in you're like i don't want to do this anymore so yeah i didn't commit to it and so it was kind of a train wreck who who was in your limo Gosh, they all went home night one, so I was the only guy. So, oh wow, so you had a bunch of my... like, okay. yeah, all right. It was just me, so I, I was like, Grant was definitely in there. Grant Darius, maybe Camille, and and Chase, maybe that might have been it. Okay, hundred percent. Camille's made quite a name for himself in the last couple <laughs> weeks. He was that dude was giving me weird vibes already in the limo, man. Uh, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> now, once once you got so you do your. You do your Ari shtick with the cardboard cutout, and I don't really remember how Becca received it. I don't even know if you remember how Becca received it. But once <laughs> once you got in the house with all the guys, so the first thing I had, knowing who you are and what you did at this point, was football question, did you immediately recognize Clay Harbor? I did. I knew who Clay was because that had actually been released before I even went out to L.A. Oh, that's so, like, right. It, I put that I out there. I heard that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I didn't reckon. And, I, and then I looked up a picture of him. So that's probably about the only way I would have recognized him, if I'm being but, honest. Cause, but was he a guy that you had uh, studied and given grades like, to on PFF? Or? Yeah, definitely. I recognized the name from his time you know, with Philadelphia and with the Jaguars. So I graded him before, but I don't think it was a face that I ever would have known if I hadn't looked him up prior. Okay. That's right, because when they did Becca on the After the Final Rose, that was about a week and a half before you left for filming, and everyone still would have been home except those five guys that got on the show or that were introduced on that show because you hadn't left for filming yet, right? Or were you in the hotel at that time? 
No, I hadn't left him for filming That's by right. the time. Okay. That was, I think that was the weekend before. And actually, one of my buddies who lives in Chicago is next door neighbors with uh, Clay Harbor. Okay. His name is Nick Ballore. He plays fullback for the Lions. And he actually texted me because I think he saw mail in the mailbox for Clay that was from The Bachelorette. And so he texted me. He's like, yo, this dude got mail from that. And that was like a couple of days before his name got released. So. so your buddy who lives next to Clay was checking out his mail? Like, <laughs> yeah, he just like saw it like sitting outside his door. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's going sifting through the guy's mailbox. <laughs> All right. Um, now I'm guessing you didn't know or had heard of Colton Underwood before, football wise. You know, yeah. When he told me he played in the NFL, I was actually like, I don't think you did. <laughs> like, I, I I think I know every NFL player, man. No, Not wait. Till, now like, wait a second. Was he telling people he played in the NFL? Like, the, was he telling the guys? Like, was well, he, he pumping he himself up more than the, he? Uh, was he's like i was on the charges no he wasn't like he wasn't selling himself as anything special he said I, he was on the practice squad and so i was like oh okay that makes more sense yeah okay exactly and the thing was you know obviously with colton being the bachelor now and going back and doing a little more research on the guy i guess when he played in college he was a, he was a d end now and then when he went to the nfl they converted him to a tight end or that's what they were trying to get him to play with the chargers yeah, and so he, raiders okay yeah so he got converted so he got you know, signed initially as a defensive end, and then someone needed, you know, had an had too many defensive ends, something wanted him to switch, and so he switched to tight end, but that still didn't work out for him. Yeah, it's actually interesting because he played at ISU, which I was from Champaign, and still, and then played in so that's, that was close to me in Peoria. I think he was from, and yeah. I still hadn't even heard of him. <laughs> so, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, nobody had until the whole Ali Raceman thing. I mean, no, I mean, I don't yeah. know who he was, and then that whole video came out and. We all saw that and we're like, oh, okay. I guess some guy's trying to make a name for himself, and uh, that sure continued. So <laughs> we've got we've got Becca on the after the final rose, and like I said, we've got those five guys that came out early, even though those guys probably went home or maybe they stuck around in L.A. for a week. I don't know, but it was the five guys that we saw that we were introduced to were Lincoln, uh, Banjo, Ryan, Blake. Uh, Darius and who am I forgetting? Do you remember the fifth guy? Who who am I forgetting? The uh, was it Chase? Yes, Chase. Chase. Okay. Yeah, because two of the guys got sent home the first night. That was Banjo, <laughs> Ryan, and and oh wait, no, Ryan didn't get sent home the first night. Oh, Darius and Chase. Darius, did. Yeah. So when you're watching it at home and you saw these five guys come out, what was your thoughts at the time? <sighs> My thoughts at the time. Uh... I thought the banjo guy, I'm like, that dude's going to, that's a pretty good gig you got there with the banjo. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have anything like that to compete with. You know, like I don't have a special thing, talent I can do that to impress her. So you already had a leg up on me. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I didn't really think too much of any of the guys. Uh, you know, I didn't really make too many assumptions. Okay. I just remember being, I was in my buddy's place in New York because I was shooting some stuff for Sports Illustrated. And I was pretty much just, Excited that, you know, to be – that was going to be me in a few weeks, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you say that you had no other – you had no talents to perform for her, but come on, Mike. You can <laughs> you can double pump reverse. Like, that was – Oh, yeah. When I found that video, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, this guy can get up. Like, where did this come from? I, I will, I'll get to that later when we talk about – you kind of your upbringing and sports wise, but I was I, gonna say they didn't they didn't show it in the uh, on the first night when uh, after in that basketball game I actually dunked in a full suit, but they that almost I was a little afraid I was gonna split my pants, but they didn't end up showing it on the 
TV, actually. Yeah, so when I interviewed Kristan and we were talking about his first night and the whole dunking thing and he being a professional dunker, I'm sure you've watched Kristan's videos right now. by now. Is there anything – obviously, we've only I've only seen you do – that one dunk, but is there anything that he can do that you can do as well? Do you have any other tricks in your bag for dunking? Uh, I can do a windmill, and I was close to between the legs at like in January, but then I got hurt a little, and so I haven't been close to getting back there. But uh, maybe, maybe if my knees are getting, maybe they're starting to get a little better, so maybe I'll start doing jump training again. So you did, you did dunk on that rim outside. Yeah, I did. I can I can get some people to verify that for me. I think Rasan even said you did, even though when I said okay. when I told him Man Bun Mike, he was <laughs> like, "Wait, who?" Like I think he forgot your name, <laughs> or he didn't write. He didn't. I, I I didn't say your name, Mike Renner. I think I said I I said you as Man Bun Mike, and I think he got confused on wait who what who's Man Bun Mike. But I gotcha. Uh, uh, what was the other thing I was gonna ask? Oh, about the game. Was there an actual game going on, or was just a bunch of dudes shooting? It was kind of like, uh, like it was kind of a game for maybe like two plays. <laughs> yeah, and I think Kristan mentioned that because I, I said who else had game out there that that could play, and he said, I think he mentioned Colton had a like might have had a jump shot. Was I wrong about that? Uh, I don't. I don't recall that. I don't recall that being the case to be honest. But okay. <laughs> Do you remember anybody else that had game besides you and Kristan? Uh, Clay keeps talking about how he crossed me up on TV because they did show one time he kind of did, but I got screened and he knows it. <laughs> he just likes to talk shit. Okay, ladies, this one's for you. Time to take a break real quick, talk to you about Evelyn and Bobby. Frustrated by decades of discomfort and puzzled by the lack of innovation in intimate apparel, Brie McKean founded Evelyn and Bobby to make smart, functional products that do the job. Evelyn and Bobby rejects outdated assumptions in order to create beautiful, purposeful products to make women's lives better. Evelyn and Bobby's women-led intimates company is rooted in technology and the celebration of natural form and exists to deliver solutions for real life. It is the best underwear ever, guaranteed. Evelyn and Bobby is made just for you. Their unique softness combined with smooth, flat seams offer a fit so comfortable you'll forget you're even wearing them. And because nude is not one color, Evelyn Bobbley's complexion palette was scientifically developed to match a full range of skin tones to seamlessly blend under light-colored clothing. Evelyn and Bobby comes in three silhouettes, thong, bikini, and girl short, with four-way stretch that moves with you. Now, obviously, all of our advertisers on this podcast send me their product beforehand, and I use them all. This one, because it's <laughs> geared towards women... I did not wear any women's underwear uh, to approve this product. However, I did send it to a couple of my female friends, and they love it. So you will too. Visit EvelynBobby.com and use code Steve to get a free pair of knickers with any purchase. That's a $28 value when you use the code Steve at EvelynBobby.com. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-B-O-B-B-I-E.com. Visit to get your knickers today. Now let's get back to Mike Renner, uninterrupted for the remainder of the podcast. Uh, all right, let's let's get into some of the guys because your 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 time on the show didn't last too long, and one guy that you've been uh, that I've heard you talk about in other interviews that you were very critical of, and rightfully so, has been Lincoln, and he always seemed to rub you the wrong way. And this was before anything ever came out about him. This was just your experience in probably what a week of filming that you were there 
Tell everyone what you observed in this guy. Man, there was a lot of stuff that was just so weird. And I mean, you saw a lot of it on TV. The fact that he's a flat earther, which I didn't even see until that was on TV. Um, Him crying over a guy throwing his picture in the pool was a gross overreaction. Um, And the fact (laughs) so that the midst of the thing is the whole next day he went around after he threw a picture in the pool. He told every single person in the house individually the story from his point of view. And like he, and then he would tell a story about how he saved up a bunch of money as a kid to buy a car and he would, it was a terrible car, but he act like it was a Mercedes because he, he saved up his money to get it. And that's how he felt about the picture. And it's like, this is not, that algae makes no sense. And this, and he told me that story twice actually during that day because he forgot, I think who I was. Uh, Cause he kind of just talks at you. He's not talking not a conversation it's lincoln talking and you're just you're just there with him so a lot of reasons why and then i obviously so i had actually read prior to going on that the story about him possibly shitting on the floor at work yeah and i had uh, that immediately like as soon as i like met him and i think some guy like like the first or second day in the house someone like farted and he like he just like got completely disgusted about it and i'm like that's a hundred percent true. You definitely like this guy shit on the floor at work. Then like, I was, I, and then I think I started telling people, but Oh, well, so, so since you guy. were only in LA, you never got to travel with the show. You guys were all living in the mansion. Was there any hint that he did this in the mansion or you couldn't really tell would, there's no stalls, right? Uh, so there was, he would take showers for, it would take him a long time to take a shower. It's like the half hour for him to take a shower pretty much every time. And I think he'd shower, he'd shower maybe like once or twice a day. Like this guy, he was pretty obsessive about cleanliness. So it was something, uh, it just, I was pretty sure it was true after having met him. <laughs> what a piece of work this guy is. Uh, and then obviously nothing ever was brought up on the show while he was there about this boating incident that happened a couple of years ago, I assume. That was never obviously. No one even had a clue. Yeah. I didn't even... It, it, like I said, it didn't surprise me, but no one, just from his personality, but no one had any inkling that he had. You, know, you would think that we we all thought we got pretty vetted by, you know, their background checking team that I don't think that would sneak through. But, yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, well, I mean, like you, you've mentioned his personality a couple times. It, it's just – do you think it's a cultural thing with him? I'm not talking about the, the bathroom habits or whatever, but just the way he was that he's – well, I think he was, he just seemed like a, not to, you know, say he's definitely a sociopath, but he just seemed very self-absorbed. Like he was very, he, like I said, he was talking at you, not with you. He was kind of just like in his own world. And so it just seemed, it's just something very off about him. And I think a lot of people recognize that. Yeah. And so the once, once the date started, episode two, you and Jason were the only two who did not get a date in episode two. And I'm guessing that had to have sucked for you. And you were like, oh, shit, I'm already behind the eight ball. Oh, my gosh. It was just it was also like psychologically draining to be in a house with pretty much nothing to do. And there's not even like workout facilities to you know take your mind off of you know that sort of stuff. And so 
uh, I was, I think it was the first, the longest I've been in one singular spot without having leaving since I was like in the hospital as a kid with chicken pox. Like you just, you don't spend, you know, six days cooped up in one place without being able to leave. Like it just, yeah. it was a mental grind. And so, yeah, it was such a weird experience. Well, people ask all the time, like, what do these people do when they're not on a date? And essentially I answer the same thing every time. Nothing. You don't do anything other than, yeah, you have to occasionally step away to, to film a confessional or ITM, and you have to have these group chats that are forced upon you by producers, but <laughs> you don't do anything. Like People seem to think that even when you travel, I mean, you didn't get to experience it, but when you travel, hey, do they get to go out and explore Virginia or the Bahamas? No. I mean, on, on occasion they have, but you're you're monitored, you're followed by, you know, you're with somebody the whole time. Um, it's not like you just get to go and do whatever. And you having only been in LA and not getting to travel. Yeah. You're in a mansion the whole time. You couldn't go hang out in Malibu or go down to the beach. <laughs> you're literally Hell in a mansion yeah. with a bunch of dudes. And you know, the first group date was eight of them on that, you know, uh, tuxedo where they got dressed up and, and did that. So you weren't on that. So you were at home with Jason and then all the guys that went on the, um, the dodgeball date and then the dodgeball date people go and you're at home with all the guys that were on the tuxedo date. Like, is there anything that you did? Did you guys create a boring game or a stupid game or call each other name? What did you do? I, I hung out on the hot tub a lot. I ended up drinking a lot <laughs> just because, you know, really nothing else to do. We played a game called mafia a few times, which there's only so many times you can play that before. It's just zero fun whatsoever. So, yeah, it was pretty boring. Like when I left, when I got off, and like I wanted to stick around because I, like I had barely gotten to talk to her, even having been there, you know, through two rope ceremonies, I still wanted to be there. But there was definitely a sense of relief in that I get to go back to the, you know, I get to have fun again. I get to go do stuff again. That's, you know, because when you're not on a date, it really is, it's really not that exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, there's just, like you said, there's nothing to do. You can't do anything other than sit around and play grab ass and come up with fake conversations so they can record them. Uh, episode three happens and at least you got to go on that date. You were on the football group date, right? You weren't on Correct. the Manny Petty yep. date. Okay. So the football group date happens. Obviously a lot isn't shown, but can you tell us something that wasn't shown that was either funny or something that happened to you? Like, did you score? Did you play press coverage against somebody and knock a pass down? Like, was Clay dominating everybody? Like, what happened on that date that we didn't see? Oh, uh, I did actually have. I had an interception that I still can't believe they didn't show because it was probably like the highlight of my athletic career. I had a one-handed pick in that game that they didn't show that I was pretty upset about, and uh, still, still arcs they didn't show. I wouldn't really want to get the tape to see what it looked like, but uh, they didn't. So the funny part was Clay before the game, and it's not like funny. It's almost tragic at this point. Clay before the game is like. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm just going to play quarterback. I, my wrist doesn't feel great. Still, like his wrist still wasn't healthy. He's like, I'm not, I'm just going to play quarterback. I don't want to take hits. Uh, and he could throw, like he has a good arm. So I'm like, that's fine. I'll, you know, we, we won't, uh, let you run with the ball then. And then we're like down in the second half and he's like, you know, F this, <laughs> I'm taking over. And he just starts running with it. And he's just, you know, carrying dudes. And I'm like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> we're coming back. And that last drive, it's almost like I, I still can't believe it. The last stiff arm on, you know, Ryan, the guy who comes out the limo playing a banjo, that's what breaks his wrist again. Just oh, Yeah, that's ridiculous. the funny thing because I was talking to Kristan about that. could make that up. Yeah, I, talking to Kristan about that, and I was like, 
And Kristan even said, like, yeah, he didn't even hurt it falling on it or, you know, someone stepping on his wrist after he fell to the ground. He go, he literally rebroke his wrist by stiff arming Banjo Ryan, which you know, as of right now, when you know, we're two weeks into the NFL season, Clay is not on an NFL roster and it's probably because his wrist isn't 100% healed. Now, it's not saying that he definitely would have been, but it certainly didn't help his chances that he he rebroke a wrist that he'd broken before, and it happened yes, on a I reality think his dating show. Healed. It's just, and he's, I think he's, he's told me, he said teams are worried about him being injury prone at this point, yeah. and it's just, that's like the kiss of death in the NFL, As, especially if you're you know not a superstar. If you're the guy sort of end of the roster guy, you want someone who's reliable, and if someone thinks you're injury prone, there it just it sucks that it had to happen. But that's probably he's probably you know SOL at this point. In your database of NFL stuff, what was your or Pro Football Focus's score on Clay in his playing days? Do you guys still have that? He was always a fairly solid run blocker, which as a you know a third tight end, that's pretty much what those guys do so uh, he is he is better than a lot of the number three tight ends in the nfl right now but he's also going to be a little more expensive and again the injury prone tag is he's even said guys teams haven't signed him because of him yeah no i mean that's i wonder i mean obviously that's something that i'm sure he would have got ribbed for in the in the locker room as well but i guess worse things have happened but getting back to you going into the rose ceremony for episode three did you think did you have any inclination either by the group date after party talk with her or even the cocktail party before the rose ceremony talk with her that she was going to send you home? I didn't, but it was more because I kind of looked around the room and saw, you know, some <laughs> just like some slapdick guys still, you know, still left that. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> I, I have a better chance than this guy, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but it was, like I said, I just really didn't have that much time with her. I really had not, like I said, I didn't get a date the first week. Uh, I didn't really get, to, I didn't actually get to talk to her after the first night, uh, after the intro limo entrance. And so there was just not a lot of time compared to, I probably had the least amount of time of any guy there, uh, at that point. And so I was just like, you know, I'm really kind of behind the eight ball at that with, uh, that being the case. Well, post-show for you has been kind of interesting in the fact that you've been nowhere to be found in this franchise. Like, you weren't at the MT- you weren't at the men tell all. Were you not invited? Were did you did they get upset at you because you had done interviews? Why weren't you at the men tell all? Because doing this as long as I have and knowing kind of the way it works, the men tell all is always usually reserved for everybody that makes it past the first night. And beyond, and you know, you get occasional first night guys or girls that will be invited to the men tell all. Obviously, Grocery Joe was the big story this year. But why weren't you at the men tell all? I mean, you lasted three episodes and you weren't there. I have, I don't know, I don't know. They haven't contacted me in any way, shape, or form since you know I've gone off. So I don't. Okay. I couldn't tell you. Maybe they lost my phone number. <laughs> it's just weird. I, I mean, I, I know you weren't a huge part of the season, but it doesn't. I mean, you go back and look at their casts for Men Tell All, it's basically everybody that gets past the first night outside of a yeah. few stragglers here and there that, for whatever reason, didn't didn't go on it. Um, yeah, Ryan didn't get invited either, and we went out at the same time. I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't ask him if he got a oh, banjo invite or anything. But yeah. Yeah. Huh. And then 
Bachelor in Paradise rolls around, we're I guess we already know the answer to this question since you haven't spoken to anybody from that show since you got eliminated. So no call from them, no nothing about, hey, would you yeah, be nothing. interested? Nothing. Huh. wonder what happened. <laughs> like, wh- why? I mean, look at how many guys from night one did get. I mean, Camille got invited back and made a name for himself on Paradise. You know, you'd be like, well, why would Camille? No, nobody remembers this guy other than the 60-40 comment he made on the first night. And he got asked. So, but every year, every year we get first night people, guys or girls, that will make it onto Paradise that that particular calendar year. And people will be like, who? What? I mean, you were a little more popular than some of those other guys that made it. I'm just surprised that nobody from this show has said a word to you since you got eliminated. That's just really yeah, weird. Yeah, I, I thought at least I'd get contacted in some way. You know, they'd at least reach out and be – say something but i really haven't gotten anything like anywhere and like i said no communication whatsoever so huh interesting well Well, in the in the i don't know how long are you there from the time from the first night what a week yeah a little over a week a little over a week so let's talk i want to talk about some of the guys that obviously we've spoken about lincoln and your your thoughts on him but in the week that you were there and hanging out with some of these guys like what was your impression like it was probably pretty early to tell, but were Blake and Garrett in your mind front runners from the get go? Yeah, when I left, I think I told. Uh, I, I I definitely just I definitely thought it was going to be one of them. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be Blake. I thought Blake was going to win. Uh, I just thought that was more of a m- match. I don't know. I thought the personality wise, they were more suited. Yeah, but I'm not surprised Garrett did either. Like I said from the beginning, it just those two seemed like pretty obvious uh that just personality fits and then you know reciprocal interest what was your thoughts on jason i didn't see him being final four to be honest i didn't see because one like i said he was in my same boat the first week didn't get on a date and so i thought that was almost a uh, sort of an indicator of you know interest on her end one way or the other and then i just didn't really i thought they were sort of fairly different personality wise uh so i'm a little i was a little surprised but after watching it back it didn't surprise me as much and then colton like when colton comes on the show and he's got that football background did he leave any sort of impression on you one way or the other and did you ever think colton i was that guy would end up being the bachelor (laughs) (laughs) so i i was Colton, the very first time I got introduced to him, he told me about his foundation or whatever. And I was like, well, I, I can't compete with this guy. He has like, I'm like, he's going to get final four. Like, I don't care if she likes him or not. Like this guy's a cystic fibrosis foundation, her cousin or something had cystic fibrosis. He said, and I was like, yeah, this is, uh, it's like, <laughs> okay. It's like a match. Like, and it just seemed like, uh, from everything that I saw then afterwards, the fact that he, brought his own wine there to the house and he which i I didn't even know was the thing you could possibly do and he was talking to the producer seemed like 24 7 so i just had i had a i had an inkling that he might be getting some sort of push along well even though you weren't on the manny petty date i'm sure once they got back from that you had heard about the tia stuff did he ever say anything did he ever address everybody once he got back or was it talked about amongst the guys what did you know about it I heard about that, and then he comes back, and there's this kind of we're all sitting on the couches for something, and he's like, I, 
Obviously, some of you have heard about what happened on the date. If you want to know more, feel free to come talk to me one-on-one, but I'm not going to address it to an entire group. It's a private situation or something. And then I, I just, I didn't go address, I didn't go talk to him one-on-one. I really didn't care what his situation was. So, <laughs> Yeah. But, but, but then again, the rest of America was shoved down our throats for <laughs> the rest of the yeah. season and then all of paradise. Um, but, uh, that, they had that in the works. Yeah. It just, I don't know. There's something about the, I mean, when you look back on it, it's funny because I, I, I wrote about this and I said, like, when I first saw the first episode and we saw Colton's intro video where he was talking about his foundation and he wants to give a vest to every kid with cystic, cystic fibrosis, I'm like, this guy has Bachelor written. And knowing that he didn't win at that point, I'm like, this guy has Bachelor written all over him. And then the show plays out and you get this back and forth with Tia and then Paradise happens and you have Raven confronting Tia and telling her to her face, I don't like this guy's intentions. Seems like he dates the it girl. It just didn't seem like he was getting an edit for somebody that they wanted America to fall in love with once they make them the Bachelor. And then he got it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe my initial intuition was right about this guy, that he's he's got a story. And honestly, to me, he's got a better story than Blake and Jason because it was down to those three. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make a better Bachelor. I just – I get why they did it. I just don't know how it's going to work out for them. Yeah, I think I told someone I was like – I was surprised that they picked him because of just the way America probably wanted, you know, who America actually wanted. Yeah. But I'm not surprised they picked him because of just what all I saw in the house and like how he came in with basically – a story tailor-made for what you'd expect, you know, the bachelor to have. I was just like, okay, this guy, (laughs) like it's pretty incredible. What, what's all going on in his life. So, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your job and your kind of upbringing. As we mentioned, you work for pro football focus. It's a, it's a very detailed um, NFL analytics website that isn't free uh, for those that are wondering. Um, because you guys dive into stuff that most analysts don't dive into. So before we get into actually pro football focus, talk about your upbringing a little bit. I'm assuming you've always been a football fan or a sports fan. Tell us your background growing up and and in sports. Yeah, so I was actually born in Milwaukee. And my pa- my family had season tickets from the time I was like three. And so I've always been there to the Green Bay Packers. So I've always been a huge Packers fan. I've always been a huge football fan. Uh, we moved to Champaign, Illinois when I was uh, six. And so uh, still then went to a bunch of Packer games every year. Uh, so I've always loved football. But then I ended up going to a high school in Champaign that was an academic high school that didn't actually even have a football team. So. I kind of quit football in uh, in seventh grade, and so that was the last time I ever played. So I think that actually made me love it more because you know I knew I was missing out on just having never played. You miss out on that sort of stuff, and so you get really invested in you know uh, pro teams. And then when I went to Notre Dame, obviously football is pretty much uh, life there. So really, I've been a huge fan. Then just got lucky to get the job at PFF after college, having done some statistical studies in. Uh, college and being an accounting major there kind of just helped me get in with them. Well, when you were at Notre Dame, I usually know, I mean, if you were to tell me the years you went to Notre Dame, I'd be like, okay, great. What I usually ask people is who was the quarterback at your school when you were there? So who was, 
Who was Notre Dame's quarterback at the time you were there? It was Jimmy Clausen, oh. and then Dane Christ, uh, and then it went to Tommy Reese. Okay. So kind of lean years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Weiss was the coach. Weiss for one year. I it was either one or two. Weiss got fired though during my tenure there, so then I went to Brian Kelly. Okay. Um. So when you're there at Notre Dame. Were you doing anything with the football team related to studying players or grading players or looking no. at that stuff, or you were just going to the games and enjoying it and not breaking anything down? Not at all. I did a summer research. I was a summer research assistant for a stats professor, though, between my junior and senior year and did an independent study with her about uh, gambling and sports. That was the only thing I had sports-related, though. Oh, interesting. One of my favorite topics. Uh I, this is completely out of left field, just popped into my head and because I saw the story a couple weeks ago and I remember it from the time when it happened. Were you there when the Declan Sullivan incident happened? I was. I was actually in a group project with him at the time Shut in a, one of my business classes. Yeah, and I remember – so I walked – I was at the, the rec center is right next to the practice fields, and I remember walking by there, the practice fields, probably an hour before practice started because I was walking back from the rec center – and I was—I just remember remarking like the trees were blowing like sideways. They were blowing harder than I've ever seen. And I was like, "This is." I just remember it being incredibly windy. Remarking that, and then I heard it later on the news that night. I was like, "Oh my god, I know that guy." Yeah, and that's what it was. He was a photographer for the football team, or videographer? yeah, he was up on the on the scissor lift. Yeah, just the videographer shooting the plays. And it just, so he was a manager. Yeah, and it just blew over when he. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh, wait a second, maybe maybe Mike was there when the whole Declan Sullivan incident happened. And oh, yeah, that was my junior year. Yeah. Wow, crazy. Um, so once you graduate uh, Notre Dame, was Pro Football Focus something that you reached out to them, or how did it all come about? Yeah, so it was a really small ordeal back then. Chris Collinsworth didn't even own it yet. It was had fewer than 10 employees, including part-timers, I think, so... Uh, I came on actually part-time the first year uh, just because they needed more help and they really weren't making that much money, but they needed you know data collection help and people that you know write and understand the data. And so uh, I got hired that summer and I was taking actuary exams because I was going to be an actuary. And I, I took two exams over the course of the next six months uh, while I was also waiting tables just to you know make ends meet in between. Uh, and then after I passed two actuary exams, started applying for actuary jobs, but then I got on full-time at PFF. And so I stayed there and I've been there ever since. For the uninformed out there, I, I want you to explain to everybody exactly what pro football focus is and what they do. Cause I think people listening right now, especially I have a lot of female listeners and maybe some <laughs> of them have tuned out by now because they don't care about football, <laughs> but this is right up my alley. So I want to know more about it, and but I want you to explain to everybody because it's not just, oh, we analyze football games and football players. It's way more in-depth than that. Yes. So we are the leader in data analytics for college and pro teams. We collect more data than any other company has ever collected in the history you know, of football, basically. Uh, we sell our data back to all 32 NFL teams, and I think we have 40 college customers at this point to where our our biggest thing and a lot of the stuff we uh, are what we're known for is the actual grading of players. So that's my job is to actually 
go through a, a particular play and say either this guy did his job really well, this guy did his job very poorly, twice, no, somewhere in between. And I give a guy a grade on every single player. Every single player, I give them a grade on every single play, uh, depending on how well they did their job. And so that'll take – it used to take, when I started off, that a game would take me 8 to 10 hours to do all of that. Now I can do a game in about four hours because uh, I've just seen it all at this point, uh, having done it for six years. But So I do that, and then we do a lot of these other processes, like we collect what every route was on every play. We'll collect the coverage on every play where every guy lined up, whether they blitz, whether they dropped into coverage, whether they, uh, you know, we're run blocking, pass blocking, that sort of thing. Uh, we collect, what else do we collect? We collect, uh, we grade every special teams play as well. We play on special teams. Uh, so we collect just a ton of data that a lot of, uh, not a lot of people outside of NFL teams will ever use, yeah. but it's, it's helped us a lot in terms of we predictive analytics. That's our, the frontier we're trying to break through now in terms of, predicting games against spreads because that's the uh that's the new frontier for yeah anyone involved in the football space because there's going to be a lot of money dumped into that area in the next few years and we're hoping to be the leader in it yeah i, I mean this is all fascinating stuff to me so i have a couple questions in regards to that when you say you watch a game and you do every play are you just given a certain play like you're given one game and given one player and one game every player. Oh, one game so, every player every single for player. one game. So Holy a lot of shit. <laughs> the, the thing about football is a lot of times guys are just doing their job and it's not necessarily so we're not grading technique. We're not grading, you know, how well they they bend it or how well they, you know, did some sort of move. It's just did you get your job done or not? So did it did it, did a defensive end beat the offensive tackle and how quickly did he beat him and or did he not beat him or did the offensive tackle completely manhandle him on that play? So you're grading that those interactions on every single play. And like I said, it used to take a long time because when you're just starting and that sort of thing. But now I've like I said, I've seen it all. I know uh, I know what to look for. I know basically every run concept and you a split second after the snap and so I know what or left tackle is supposed to look like on outside zone and so it's pretty easy for me to tell if he didn't do his job or if he did. Wow. I'm just I'm just thinking about looking at a play in football and 22 guys are lined up against 11 uh, on 11 and you have to go through all 22 players for every snap of the game. That just seems like it would take 10 hours, 8 to 10 hours like you said the first time, but I guess the more you do it, you can get mm-hmm. through it quicker now. So do you still have to do that? Are you still doing that as as a senior? Analyst? I do a lot of the reviews of other people's grades now. So each okay. game is graded once initially, and then reviewed by someone who's been doing the grading for a while. So I'm part of a team of like five guys that just does reviews of other people's. So that's a lot of what I do. But I'll still do a few games every weekend live. Well, the biggest thing uh, here is you guys time. you guys wield a lot of power because you could, you know, anybody that watches Sunday Night Football. I think it's the only I think it's the only game of the week that where when each player is doing their introductions and their introductions come up on screen it has their PFF ranking underneath their name. That's the only one that does it, right? And I guess Yeah, I guess that's the only one that has uh I think I'm sure, uh, there's another network that gets our data. I can't uh, I don't think I can even say who it is, but yeah, that's the only one that actually puts it up on their graphics. And I'm assuming it's because Collinsworth does the Sunday night game. Maybe that has. To yeah, there's a, we have a pretty close relationship with NBC at this point. Okay, so that wields so much power, and I'm guessing that 
I, you know, watching every play and giving a grade and you're ranking players based on performance, I guess a couple questions that I have would be, number one, what if someone has an inherent bias against a team or a player, and how do you prevent against that? Yeah, we don't let – so if a guy's a fan of a team, we won't let him grade their game. Uh, that's one. And so I, I don't know about inherent bias. I don't think we have much of an inherent bias. But, again, okay. it gets reviewed. So a game will get graded by one person and then reviewed by someone else. And so usually those sort of checks and balances help to mitigate that. And then we won't let one guy just grade one team over the course of the season every single game. So that it basically hits – you know, a bunch of different analysts hit a certain team to sort of even that out if there is maybe a bias. Okay, and when you discuss all these players and you give them grades, these players' livelihoods are kind of based on your grades. Like that's what I say when you when I say you guys wield a lot of power. That's a big deal to be laying out there. Like, hey, you are the twenty third best cornerback in the NFL, or whatever the case may be, and you're yeah, putting our, that our out there. Yeah, grades will get used in almost. I'd venture to say over half the negotiations that go on for veterans in terms of contracts in the NFL. <laughs> Just the numbers will definitely be out there and used. So, and knowing how much of an ego professional athletes have, there's got to be players that bitch about their score that they've oh, they been given some by you guys. Uh, maybe yeah. you can't name it by names, but what are some of the things that, or maybe you can name some of the players that have openly been critical of what you guys do. Oh, so I mean, like even Clay was skeptical. He was like, "How do you guys know what I'm supposed to do on a play?" And I'm like, "I've seen, you know, NFL offenses. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know how you're supposed to run an out route." Like, so uh, I think uh, there is obviously inherent skepticism because NFL is this black box. The schemes and whatnot are they think they're their own and that no one can figure them out. But after a play's been run, you can basically figure out what each player was supposed to do on those plays and so a lot of people are skeptical and especially people are going to be skeptical if you give them bad grades and we've had a lot of offensive linemen because offensive linemen usually are somewhat immune from criticism because you don't you don't look at the offensive line you're not looking at who you know screwed a running play you just see all that a running play got screwed up but we're the ones looking at them and saying hey you didn't you didn't run block well today and a lot of guys don't take too kindly to that because they haven't gotten you know criticized at all over the course of their careers yeah no i mean it's it's amazing uh, what goes into your guys' work. And I just, you know, I look at some of the, I don't know who's ranked at the top or bottom, but I want to go over a couple players, basically just go off this past year's draft, uh, the main players on this year's draft. And I want to see where you guys had them. Obviously, you can only rank them out of out of college. I mean, some of them are two games into their NFL career. But um, I just want to get just this most recent draft and let me know your opinion and if it, like differed or where, okay. P, where PFF has them ranked. So first off, right. the number one pick, Baker Mayfield, where did you guys have him ranked coming out of college in terms of the quarterbacks that were drafted? We actually had him number one, and we had him number one since like last fall. Since midway through last fall, we were saying he should be the number one guy on the board. And uh, I think it took a lot of people a long time to catch up with getting on board with him being the number one quarterback selected. Well, yeah, and, they, and Cleveland took a lot of shit for it. And yeah. looking at it now, I got to imagine that Cleveland put some stock into your research. Yeah, I, I think they. I mean, they are a customer. We have all three teams. They've seen the stuff, and uh, John Dorsey said himself that all the that 
he, he independently came to the conclusion that uh, he thought Mayfield was the best as well. And the only thing really stopping him, you know, the only reason they wouldn't take him number one overall was the fact that he's six feet tall. And he said, that's the only reason uh, I'm going to go ahead and draft the guy. Okay. So you guys had him number one, the number one quarterback coming out of last year. Mm-hmm. And you thought they should have taken him number one. So it wasn't just he's the number one quarterback. We think he should be no, the number one pick. No, yeah, we had him number one on our draft okay. board. Yeah. Where did you guys have Saquon Barkley? So Saquon was our number one running back, but we've done one of the biggest things that our analytics department has come up with over the past few years is the fact that running backs are not the main driver in a running game. With our offensive, with our running back rating and our offensive line grading, offensive lines are far more important to a running game than the running back than the individual talent of the running back. Yeah. And so we thought with how bad the Giants offensive line is, we, we didn't have him. We would not have taken him in the top, you know, 10 to 20 of this draft just because uh, we don't think running backs are that valuable in terms of what they bring to the table as runners. And I think not to say through two games, the Giants are, have that's been proven but i think they'd rather have a quarterback at this point than what they got from saquon barthur and they just lost their offensive lineman to a broken ankle on sunday yeah. night and so now they're going to be even worse um uh yeah you know but collinsworth was about as complimentary as you can all night sunday night i can't remember how many times he talked about saquon's thighs but <laughs> he did it a lot a weird. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about how, how thick his thighs are, and you know he does make guys miss. We we've seen that, but the way the and, and not to mention the NFL is a passing league now. How important is a running back nowadays? It just no. That's the thing is we've kept saying all offseason you you can have a great running game, but you literally do not want to run the ball. You you want to be passing the football in 2018. All the best pass, all the best offenses are purely driven by their passing offense. Running game is it's just outdated at this point. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. So I want to talk about the four other quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round. Where did you guys have Sam Darnold? We had Sam Darnold as number two overall. So he was number two overall and number two on our big board. So he w- we would have taken him right there where the Jets took him. We would have taken him where the Giants took him, to be honest. So we were pretty high on him. And I think we've seen one of our biggest things was the, the talent around him at USC and that offense was terrible and i think we've seen it this year with how well usc has done without him just wasn't set up to have good statistics for him so we loved his poise in the pocket and he's been he's been all right through two games but we'll see how he turns out yeah uh where did you guys have baker over sam in terms of what were his advantages like why would someone take baker over sam so we track uh, ball placement on every throw. If it was, you know, on a guy's frame, if it was behind him, even if it was complete, like where it was completed. Yeah. Uh, and Baker had uh, the most on-frame throws of any of the quarterbacks. His just accuracy was. Yes, he was hitting. He was hitting. Op- he had open receivers, but he was also hitting them. You know, in perfect ball placement. So his ball placement was just uh, much better than Darnold's. And his decision making, he didn't have nearly as many. You know, just turnover worthy throws the bad, the real negative plays. Yeah, and Darnold had a lot of fumbles his junior year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was another thing against him. Um, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was the third quarterback. We were a little lower on him, but still called him a first rounder. Uh, we thought he was more of a mid first rounder, though, for us. And what was his negatives? <sighs> Accuracy. He was far less accurate than both Darnold and Mayfield. Uh, had some decision-making issues, but and really no 
no mobility whatsoever to speak of. Basically just a pure statue in the pocket, never going to make any plays outside the pocket. So those are the biggest knocks on him. What do you see? I mean, the fact that he's in Arizona and through two games they look god-awful. Um, what do you see as his ceiling in the NFL? I didn't think he was a franchise sort of guy. I thought he was a guy you sort of take a chance on. He could maybe be a Derek Carr who is good, not great. You know, I don't, I don't think his – He's limited, just a limited sort of quarterback. But uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes in Arizona. He doesn't have a lot of talent around him. If he does get forced into action this year, so it might not go well. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> we were so much lower on Josh Allen. We called him not a first rounder, uh, had him as a mid second before we'd even take a chance on him. He was just so wildly inconsistent and inaccurate. And it really had nothing to do with the talent around him. He was just, he just couldn't hit NFL throws consistently. But. The reason everyone was sold on him was because of this cannon that he had. Basically. Oh, he's got a cannon. and, and it, Better arm than it, any of the other first-round quarterbacks drafted, I'm assuming. Oh, not even close. Like One yeah. of the best arms in NFL history, the way he can sling it, but that only gets you you know, that only gets you halfway there. It still has to be on target. So that, that was the biggest thing with him. I don't think you can really teach accuracy. You can't teach arm strength and you can't teach accuracy if I had to choose one. I'm going to take the accuracy, though. Which is why Baker was where he was and graded out mm-hmm. as well as he did with you guys. And then the last one, and it's been debated up and down, left and right, is he a quarterback, is he not a quarterback, is is Lamar Jackson. Uh, where do you see his NFL future lying? Uh, so we called him a quarterback. We had him higher than Josh Allen. But sort of with the caveat that you can't run – just NB, you can't run a West Coast offense with Lamar Jackson. You can't run a drop back passing offense. You literally have to run a run first, him as a running threat sort of offense. Very similar to uh, almost the, what the 49ers did with Colin Kaepernick when he was actually playing well. Uh, and probably even more so with the run heaviness because that's that's his biggest strength. And he's maybe the, arguably the most dynamic you know running threat at quarterback since Michael Vick. But and can still pass down the field, so still make some plays, but he's just terrible. He has the Josh he's on Josh Allen's level in terms of accuracy down the field. He's just not an accurate quarterback. So, yeah. Uh, but what he can do with his legs is still super valuable. What about overrated versus underrated? I'm going to take it into account anybody that uh, this doesn't even have to relate to quarterbacks, but anyone in this draft class in this 2018 draft class as you see being a giant bust that it seems to be a lot of people are high on, but you think that based on your guys' grades that you just don't see it working out for this guy. So let's start on the bust side. Guy who is going to be a bust. Uh, gosh, I'll say I didn't love the pick of Tremaine Edmonds in the first round. Uh, I, I just didn't think he was the playmaking sort of linebacker. I don't, I don't think he's the he's a fantastic athlete. Yeah, the Virginia Tech linebacker went to Buffalo. He drafted him 16th, and the linebacker itself is not a super valuable position to be taking a guy in the first round. And the fact that he's so raw and so has so much, you know, further to go than a guy like Roquan Smith, who was drafted, you know, ahead of him still, but I don't think they're even close to the same level. Uh, I just worry about him ever living up to, you know, all the raw tools that he has. What about on the other end, someone who? Maybe went lower or even went high, but you think that they are, we're talking perennial all pro that people are kind of sleeping on. Well, we called Derwin James a top five pick. We thought he should have gone. Uh, like I would have drafted him before Bradley Chubb. I would have drafted him before Quentin Nelson. I think he's 
was the best defensive player in this draft, and he fell all the way to 17 to the Chargers. Yeah. And so at safety, he's not just a safety. I think he could play linebacker better than the guy who went right ahead of him, Tremaine Edmonds. He's just a much better football player. We saw that at Florida State. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised he fell to where he did. But that dude to me is probably going to be one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the NFL in a few years. And he's already done some good things with the Chargers. I mean, I yeah, yeah, the other he leads all rookies in sacks, and he's not a he's not a pass rusher. Is I mean, I obviously I've watched the games for two weeks, but I haven't been following each of these outside of the main ones. You know, the the Saquons or whatever. What has Bradley Chubb done in the first two games? Anything with it? With he's the looked Broncos? all right. Okay. Yeah, he's looked fine. I, I I didn't hate the pick. I he was been uh, he's probably the second or third most valuable position on the football field after quarterback. So. Uh, and I think he's a really solid player. I'm not sure he's Von Miller or, you know, Khalil Mack. I don't think he's ever going to get to that level, but he's a very, you know, pretty uh, technically sound pass rusher already. Okay, so locally for me, I'm not a Cowboy fan, even though I live in Dallas, but obviously I'm interested in in who they drafted. I just want to talk about the first two guys that they picked. Um, The linebacker out of Boise State, Leighton Vander Esch. Where did you guys have him? It seemed like that was a little bit higher than – what people had him at maybe yeah it was a little bit of a reach we were lower we called him a late first early second kind of guy uh especially linebacker value again it's not a super valuable position and he really hasn't even seen the field that much because jalen smith looks healthy now so yeah you're uh, a little bit of a reach but we still thought he was you'll be a good player and then connor williams didn't look good at all in week one but you you were going up against carolina's defense he looked better against the Giants, but Connor Williams at, at pick number fifty in the second round was he was he a bit of a reach? Uh, no, we actually liked him. We were higher on him. We called okay. him a first rounder uh, and thought he could have still played tackle, but realized that he was still raw. I think he came out after a true junior year, which is just rare for offensive linemen. You get a lot of guys, even Quentin Nelson, who when the top ten was older, you know, had a year on. Uh, Connor Williams, so we thought Williams was a if he would have stayed one more year, would have been a first round pick. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think I think he's, he's a little physically has a little bit of a ways to go, and that's why he's getting a little manhandled. But again, he played a lot better against the Giants this past week than he did week one. So uh, yeah, I still think he'll get there. All right. Last thing on sports related stuff. Uh, I, I want to ask about next year coming in. Just who do you guys have at the top of your board? Top three or five guys that are ranking out in college right now is number one. I got, I got to believe Bosa's in there, right? Uh, Nick Bosa is number one. Yeah. He's that dude is every bit as good as his brother. He might even be better. So he's legit. And then after him, we have Justin uh, Herbert, the Oregon quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we think he's the, we think he could be a franchise guy. We're pretty high on him. He's looked real, a lot better this year than he has even last year. And we were fairly high on him after last year. And then number three on our board is Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State D lineman who, uh, if you'll remember a few years ago, actually had that video of him punching a girl on the ground, which was pretty uh, ugly. But uh, on the field play, the, the dude, he's pretty much unstoppable. So There's one question about a, a guy that I have a, a question about because I've really liked him when I've watched him, but then I've read things about him that against Power 5, his numbers are way lower than against group of five teams, and that's and he's a quarterback, so it's everybody that everybody talks about is Drew Locke. Like I think he's really good when I watch him, but I don't watch him like you watch him. Where do you guys see Drew Locke? 
Yeah, I think we have him as like our fifth quarterback at this point. Oh, really? And yeah. it's because uh, he's just uh, it's inconsistency down the field. He gets a lot of his stats padded because of that Missouri offense's uh, it's a lot of either screens or just deep balls. And so it's kind of like Baylor system from a few years ago where it's guys just going to put up ridiculous numbers in it, but he's not doing a lot of, uh, quarterback NFL quarterbacky things. I'll say it's not a lot of NFL throws. And when he does have to make those NFL throws, he's been just inconsistent on them. So, okay. uh, we're a little lower on him than, uh, maybe the general public. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that Missouri offense, like when Chase Daniel was lighting it up and then he's gotten to the pros and he's a perennial backup. Mm-hmm. Never been able to crack a starting lineup unless somebody's gotten hurt. Um, so then, who am I missing in between uh, Justin Herbert and Drew Locke in, for for quarterbacks that you guys have ranked two, three, four? Just so we have uh, Will Greer at two right oh, yeah. now, Duh. West Virginia. Okay. He's yeah. been really good, and then it's only been a few games, but we have Dwayne Haskins uh, at three for us, just from what we've seen. Hmm. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think who's at four. That's Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback. Look. Yeah. Uh, He's got a cannon for an arm and can run as well. So, uh, gosh, who's that for? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know those guys are two and three. Does does Dwayne Haskins by any chance have a um, a, a Cardell Jones feel to to you at all? No, Jones was so inaccurate. Uh, okay. Haskins has so far been just far more accurate. Uh, he just hasn't missed a ton of throws, uh, you know, in the intermediate range, which is probably the most uh, what we found in our data to be the most the thing that translates the best from the college game to the pro game. All right. Well, that's a that's a, a breakdown of college and NFL players, everyone, for, for those that uh, are, are still are still tuning into this because, I mean, for me, trust me, this I could talk about this shit for three hours, so I'm fine with it. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. Uh, a couple other not even breaking down player stuff, but being a Bengals fan, I'm assuming, you, you live in Cincinnati, right? We're in the area. Uh, I'm not a Packers fan since birth, but I'm an adopted Bengals fan. <laughs> I root for them. Adopted Bengals fan. Um, they're one of the six or seven two and O teams right now in the NFL. Uh, we've seen this before with this team and this franchise because they can give you a great regular season <laughs> and fall flat on their face once the playoffs roll around. But. Is there anything that makes you think this is this year's any different? Am I missing something, or is it still too early? I don't think they're uh, this isn't their year Super Bowl. I, I, I do <laughs> think they make the playoffs, though. I think it's a real. I think they're close, closer than they they have been in uh, any of the recent years. Closer than been since what was it 2015 when Dalton broke his hand. So I think they have a really good defensive line. You know, Geno is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, and now they have a legit secondary with William Jackson playing really well. So. Uh, I do think it's a good team, but it's still offensive line, still kind of an issue, and they still have just terrible linebacker play. Well, the other thing is that I think they're in a division that isn't very strong. I mean, obviously Pittsburgh's gotten off to a horrible start. I don't know how yeah. good the Ravens really are, and the Browns are the Browns, so they could easily win that division and get that yeah, first they're round in the driver's seat right now. Yeah, and get that first round home game because I don't think they're going to finish one or two in the AFC, so they'll get a they'll get a home game. And, but we've seen this act before, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it doesn't oh, matter. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, I, I did read something. Did you know that? So in the last 16 games in the NFL, so I guess the last 14 of last year and first two of this year, uh, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady have the most touchdown passes of any quarterback in the NFL in the last 16 games. You know, who's number three? I do not. The red rifle. 
Andy. Ooh, Andy. Yeah. He started off last year like shit. Yeah. Uh, for some, yeah. it said, I, I saw it right before we started recording the podcast. Um, Matthew Barry had tweeted it out that he's now played, Andy Dalton has now played 16 games under Bill Lazor. And in that time frame, only Russell Wilson and Tom Brady have more touchdown passes. So I'm assuming he, he means the last 14 of last year. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe he's, well, Dalton was hurt last year, right? I don't think so. I don't think McCarron didn't, played. Didn't, oh, okay. mm, no, I can't remember. That, but anyway, but yeah, in the last 16 games under Bill Lazor, uh, Dalton is number three in touchdown passes. So that was I thought that was interesting because he was mentioning he's still available in 80% of fantasy leagues. Uh, I mean, you know what you're getting when you get Andy Dalton. So we've all had him Best on our fantasy thing. team at some point. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to the final 10. These are more uh, personal questions. Uh None of them are sports-related anybody, I don't think. Well, a couple, but nothing like we've just been over. All right, question number one. Who was your all-time favorite athlete growing up? Any sport? Brett Favre, easily. Okay, that's right. Packer guy. Do you have, yeah. a, do you have a number two? Oh, uh, gosh. I like Vince Carter growing up, too. For... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Was it is So, football is your sport. Like, were you a baseball and basketball fan? I mean – but yeah, I was. Uh, I was a lot more back when I was younger yeah. uh, than I am now, just because football is basically my life. But yeah, I played actually. I didn't. So I said I didn't even play uh, football. I played baseball and basketball growing up were my two sports. Gotcha. All right. Question number two. Give me some of the artists right now on your playlist. <sighs> artists right now. Um, I listen to mostly country. So. Oh really? Uh, yeah, I was just listening to. Brian and Brad Paisley earlier today. So <laughs> Luke Combs too. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, question, <laughs> question number three. If you had a chance to go on any other reality show that isn't a part of Bachelor Nation, which one would you do? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, uh, the Challenge, 100%. Oh, yeah. Love that show Yeah, back in the day. I'm, CT I, was my... Favorite. By the way, CT just got married over the weekend. Apparently, <laughs> oh, I saw congrats, that story. CT. Yeah, he married the woman who's the mother of his child, who nobody ever knew who she was. At least the public didn't, because he's never, I don't think, ever really posted much about her. Um, yeah, but he just got married over the weekend. So, congrats to CT. Question number four: Top three sports movies of all time for you? Top three. Um, remember the Titans? Definitely up there. I know what one, uh, I know. What one of them will be. Uh, what what do you think one of them? Your gosh, I'm like blanking on what sports movies I like. Uh, one of them's got to be Rudy. You went to Notre Dame. Okay, gotta... yeah, Rudy. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez, that was, uh, Rudy's definitely on there. And then, can I cheat and say a sports TV show? Because I love the show Playmakers. That was oh. my show back in the day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one. What is it? One or that. one or two season run on ESPN. It had just one. One. But yeah. Boy, was it a good one. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, question number five. Most romantic thing you've ever done for a girlfriend? Uh, I got uh, an engraved. Gosh, so I went. I was at Disney World, and I got an engraved a uh, bracelet for. Uh, so like we went early in the day. She we went back. She fell asleep, and I snuck out. Went back to Disney World. Got she had said she liked a bracelet, and I got it for her, and I got it engraved with her name came back while she was sleeping and gave it to her that was probably how much how long did that last 
That oh, was like, that, that relationship lasted like a year and a half or two years, so that was okay. Yeah. Uh, question number six: Top three or five shows saved in your DVR right now? Uh, Westworld is on my DVR. Um, what else is on my DVR? Uh, Bachelor Paradise on my DVR. Um, well, not anymore. It's over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't watch too many. TV shows on right now just because I w- watch so much football during the season. Yeah. So um, I'll go back on I've, – I've been watching on Netflix the the Dirty Money documentaries, which are really good. Mm. That stuff always fascinates me. And then I'll always sometimes watch uh, Friday Night Lights, a TV show on Netflix. That was great. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. Awesome show. Uh, question number seven. What's the worst – personal message you've ever received from an athlete regarding something you wrote about him on PFF. You don't have to tell me the athlete, but uh, I had, I had a corner. Okay. I had a cornerback ask me what his grade was. Uh, and then he's like, no, that's bullshit. That's wrong. He's like, how many catches do you have me given up? And then I told him, he's like, no, I've only given up, you know, half that. And then I'm like, Hey, sorry, man, we just call him. Let you see him. We can, you can, Come watch the. We can watch the plays together if you want. Tell me which ones you disagree with. And he's like, "No, nah, it's cool. I'll just DM you when I sign my sixty million dollar deal, and uh, I can I can let you know this guy is he's about to become a free agent. He is not going to cut close to sixty million dollars. This guy is <laughs> Orlando Scandrick did this offseason, To be honest, no, <laughs> he got traded to the Browns offseason. If that oh, okay helps at all. Uh, all right. Question number eight: What is your biggest vice? Biggest vice, probably biting my fingers. Oh, I am hopelessly addicted. Join me. I mean, yeah, me too. I, so I literally, so I bit my finger on actually night one, and it wouldn't stop bleeding. And so I was like in the bathroom for like a half hour. I'm just like, just stop bleeding. So <laughs> it was like I bit it too much, and I was like, I just didn't want blood on like my suit or something. Did so. you at least ask for? A band aid to cover this up, or you didn't even want? You didn't no, I didn't want to draw attention to the fact that I was a dumbass and was bleeding all over the place because I bit my own finger. So I was just sitting in the bathroom <laughs> squeezing it with a napkin. Oh, brutal. Okay. Uh, question number nine Who is your male and female celebrity crush? Male, Chris Hemsworth, probably. Okay. The handsome man. Um, and then female, uh, I'd say Olivia Colpo. Oh, the uh, former Miss – was she USA or America? Danny Amendola. Uh, she was – I always forget. Yeah, Miss America. But I, I know it was Miss USA. I can't remember. But, yeah, Danny Amendola's girlfriend. Danny Amendola's girlfriend. That's right. I'm not trying to step on your toes, Danny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say about um, – oh, I completely blanked. Anyway. All right, question number 10 is what I call explain your tweet where I where I go through your Twitter account, but we've done enough sports. So there is something on your Twitter account, though, that I'm very interested in, and I think we can debate back and forth, is Let's in go. your profile, in your bio of it, you are a fast food critic. So I want to discuss fast food with you. Please. Okay, I'm going to give you f- – well, the thing is I don't know if some of these are in where you grew up. So Okay. Um. Give me your top five fast food. Rank them one through five fast food joints. Fast food restaurants. So Taco Bell is my all-time favorite. I okay. still eat that very regularly. Uh, Taco Bell is number one. I always loved Hardee's Thick Burgers. 
there's not a Hardy's anywhere near me though. Uh, so so Hardy's, Hardy's is two. basically Carl. That would be equivalent to Carl's Jr. Yeah. When I, where I, I was they, growing up in Southern California. Yeah. Okay. I think they are exactly the same. I'm yeah. not sure they're different. Um, so Hardy's Carl's Jr. Gosh, number three, uh, is probably, I'm not sure it qualifies as fast food, but Chipotle number three. Yeah. I'd say that's fast food. Number four, I'd say Panda Express. Uh, I used to eat that before, like every basketball game in high school, which is terrible. <laughs> um, number five, gosh, those are like my go-tos. I don't really branch out then unless they have they have like new stuff. Most so, places. So, so where are where are McDonald's and Burger King and Chick Fil A in, in in these rank? Like, are you not a fan of those places? I don't. I don't. I really just don't like Chick Fil A that much. I know people wow. fall all over themselves about it. I'm not a big Chick Fil A fan, fortunately. How about Mickey D's? Like that's the all time. Mickey D's is like your that's your bottom of the barrel. You have really nothing else to go. There's nowhere anywhere close. I think that's their whole business model is we're the closest fast food restaurant to you, and you're hungry. <laughs> So I think that – no, I, I don't hate McDonald's. I'm not above McDonald's by any means. I'll go there. But it's not going to make my top five. There's got to be something better I'm blanking on right now. What about Burger King? No, I, I think oh – gosh, what did I just um, – well, lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, number five. Uh, it's In and out? I was going to say Shake Shack. Was my, oh, Shake Shack? Not, I'm not okay. sure it's really – qualifies but shake shack's probably their chicken sandwich is fantastic okay so shake shack all right so burger king in and out and uh chick-fil-a not even or not on it have you not ever now growing up you haven't been exposed to in and out unless you've been on the west coast like have you eaten in and out i've been in and out yeah i've been in and out a handful of times and i think it's fine i think it's a little overrated oh jesus they all have right. the worst fries i think i've ever tasted oh come on come on by the they way, I was, like, by the way, I went in and out. I was at in and out fried shoe strings. Oh, yeah. they're excellent. Oh my god, their fries <laughs> are so good. Um, all right, so that was it. Uh, congratulations on completing the uh, the final ten. Um, we'll dis- we'll agree to disagree on um, your food choices. Although I do, I mean, trust me, I love Taco Hell. I'll eat that any day no. of the week. Yeah, I love that. I love that place. Um, by the way, what is your go to meal at Taco Bell? I do. If they have it, they two chili cheese burritos and a cheesy gordita crunch, but not every place has the chili cheese burrito anymore. Oh, geez. Now that I think about it, does the place near me have the chili cheese burrito? I have to look at that next time. One um, near me does, one doesn't, which is crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, that'll do it uh, for the final 10, and that'll do it uh, for the podcast. Mike, thanks. Uh, I know it took a while to finally get this done, but I'm glad we did. Uh, I'm glad we got some good sports talk in here. One thing I do want to mention is I just saw you. You were just on with on seven ten in L A. Was it yesterday? Is yeah, I'm morning? on every Monday. Uh, oh, you're on every Monday with them. So yeah, I'm on every Monday morning. Oh, with with season, uh, so. with Keyshawn, Keyshawn and Elsie and Travis. Yeah, Travis is uh, somebody that I worked with right out of college. He was the first guy that I really because I worked for Jim Rome right out of college, and Travis was oh, nice. producer for long, fourteen years. And yeah, Tra- I saw that you were on, and I was like, oh, okay. So Mike and I know somebody in common there with uh, with Travis. I didn't really because he just got the morning show. I think they just, I think two weeks ago, the, the morning show became official on seven ten with Travis LC, LZ and uh, and Keyshawn. So 
Um, so did you know Keyshawn? Because Keyshawn was part of the uh, the football date. Now that I think no, I met him just that time. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't think he remembers me though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever brought it up on the shows that you the two the couple shows that you've done with them? No, I haven't. I'll probably bring it up at some point during the season though. Yeah, you you need to because that uh, that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that he was part of it, and so were the uh, lingerie football league. I think maybe you should start doing grading. You should start grading out those girls on there. Yeah, I'll do it pro bono. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Mike, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. You got Please, it, man. man. See you. Thank you very much to Mike for that. Um, I know a lot of you might have tuned out after the first 30 minutes, but I don't care. That was, for me, my podcast. I can talk about what I want, and I enjoyed talking about that. That was a lot of fun for me, and um, – you know, sports is my background and I was going to spend a significant amount of time, but you know, here's a guy that wasn't on paradise, wasn't at the men tell all and was on the show for three episodes. So I knew that there was a lot more that I do did want to talk to him about, but for 30 minutes in the first 30 minutes, we did get a lot of stuff done in regards to Becca season, some of the other guys, his issues with Lincoln. So I hope you enjoyed that. So once again, thank you to Mike for doing that. Thank you all for listening. As you know, last week, our podcast became with Jordan was the number one podcast on all of iTunes. It is the easily the most downloaded podcast I've ever had. Uh, not that I guess, I mean, not to pat myself on the back here, but I'm not surprised. I mean, it was very topical. I was the only guy he ever did a podcast with and it was major news. It was all over all the media outlets. So yeah, uh, naturally if you interview the guy that you broke a story on, it's probably going to get a, a lot of attention and it did. So I thank you all for listening to that. Also, Nell Coulter's Flora Rimashore recaps are up every Tuesday and her Are You The One recaps are up every Thursday. That's ending fairly soon with Flora Rimashore because that season is almost over. So please check those out. If you want to be part of the He Said, She Said podcast with myself and Ashley Spivey, direct message me or email me or Ashley. We'll set up a time. Just let us know your Skype name, what time zone you're in, when the best times for you to record are. And we'll arrange that and get that done. Our next episode, episode six of that podcast, is coming out this Tuesday. And I'm telling you, two of the better calls we've ever had in terms of one of them is more humorous than anything because of my ignorance. And then the second one is kind of heartbreaking, uh, to be honest with you. Um, It was difficult to hear and almost difficult to respond to because... When you're in a position like that, um, you're just going to have to hear this phone call. But uh, definitely check that out on Tuesday. So I really appreciate everybody who took the time to listen to today's podcast. Remember, today's podcast is brought to you by Evelyn and Bobby. Evelyn and Bobby's women-led intimates company creates beautiful, purposeful products to make women's lives better. They've created the best underwear ever combining unique softness with a smooth, flat seams that offer a fit so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing them. Evelyn and Bobby comes in three silhouettes and one size that fits many with four-way stretch that moves with you. Visit EvelynBobby.com and use code Steve to get a free pair of knickers with any purchase. That's a $28 value only when you use the code Steve at EvelynBobby.com. Dot com. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-B-O-B-B-I-E dot com. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it. We will talk to you next week as we bring you another podcast. Don't know who it's with yet, but um, it'll be somebody. 
Trust me. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Thank you to Mike Renner for coming on. Sorry I had to delay a, a couple times, but uh, he was very understanding about that. So thank you all again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See you.